Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hey there, how's it going? And welcome into Big Ten Plus for college sports with a Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. I'm Dalton Shetler. If you're joining us uh, on the video service, you see Sam Sprunger is moving outside. Yeah. Did you upset the wife? Are you at the, the new place to stay or what's no, going on? I, I'm, I'm at my mom's. I have somewhere I need to go. So I'm in <laughs> Indiana. Um, but she, uh, we, we have been she's got uh some fire like smoke detectors that uh-huh. are hardwired well i've changed the batteries because they chirp <laughs> and i've changed the batteries and they're all brand new batteries still chirps so i believe there's a wiring problem and i didn't really want the audio uh to to have chirping Ding. in it so yeah Ding. <laughs> there in the back. actually we could have just timed it out to where maybe one did it every quarter Oh, that, that that could have been our tweet today. Tweet. That's just being efficient. That yeah, that would have been the way to go. Taking adv- except for it's like it's it, there's four of them all wired together, and literally one will beep, and three seconds later another one will go, and then it'll go five minutes without. I don't understand it, but <laughs> oh, the joy! End up of working without a stand. Look at you go. Yeah, yeah. adjusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot uh, it's just part of life and as we're doing this actually we uh i'm so again i'm in mid michigan there's a storm rolling through at the time that we're recording this and uh just received notice that 2000 homes have lost power so cross your fingers that we're staying on the whole yeah. time yeah. sam being outside he's praying the storm doesn't come his way so we're all yeah. just kind of hoping here at this i point. told you before we started i said well it, it looks like it could rain if you just see me grab my stuff and run uh just keep going yeah so so viewers <laughs> be on the lookout the produce, for that. that's the producer in me just keep working with it yeah that's uh <laughs> it could be really entertaining for you folks so just stay tuned yeah, and see how this all goes maybe our best episode yet <laughs> Uh, there, there is a lot of good reasons to be on this show, though, because uh, here today we're going to be breaking down the Big Ten and the NBA draft. We mentioned last week we couldn't do it because we actually recorded our episode before the NBA draft. Now we can break that down a little bit this week. Also, we have a little bit of sound and, and video from Baker Mayfield, Michigan State head football coach Mel Tucker, and uh, Kirk Herbstreit. I'm sorry, I totally forgot to tell you this in brief pre-production i never got the baker mayfield audio oh well very good well or the mel tucker (laughs) well yeah i've totally totally derailed us now haven't i i I never got any of that we'll save it for another rainy day then the baker mayfield mel tucker but we do have kirk herbstreet correct Um, i I apologize to make that announcement to you in the middle of the show but (laughs) not a problem uh, i was dealing with other stuff beforehand understood we will uh we'll get to some of the baker and some of the uh, mel tucker stuff later on um because it's it's still a lot of good stuff but kirk herbstreet we do have for this show uh he made his way into mid-michigan for a golf outing we'll talk yeah. a little bit about that as we uh as we move forward but also we'll talk a little bit about big 10 schedules for for basketball also some hypotheticals that we've talked a little bit about for football yes. as well 
So there's a there's a lot to get to. Yeah, I and you know what? A lot of people say the summer there's not much sports news. Well, you know what? There is enough if you look. You know, yeah. um, uh, I the NBA draft. I was off a little bit on one thing, but I was dead on on another. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because let's start with the NBA draft. And, and yeah. by the way, for, for the listeners and, and viewers, since we're kind of starting the show off, just a little bit of an announcement. This is the show before the 4th of July. Yes. Next week, Sam and I will not be on with a Big Ten Plus Four. So we're trying to go out with a bang, pun intended, fireworks. Um, and then we'll be <laughs> back in two weeks. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, so I'm a firm believer in vacations, Dalton. Not a bad idea. Yeah, I got a couple still coming hard. throughout the summer. Yeah, we, we we work hard. We're due for a few. Um, but nonetheless, so we won't have an episode next week. Correct. Um, just for for programming notice. But let's go back to the NBA draft and start there, Sam, because yeah, this is what's interesting. We had a lot of conversations leading up to the draft, and I had said that one of the Big Ten prospects that maybe I'd invest the most in was Keegan Murray, and it Keegan, proved to work out there. Keegan Murray ends up being the top Big Ten prospect off the board, and now all of a sudden I'm worried because the team that took him was the Sacramento Kings, and I just don't have faith in the Sacramento Kings. So I, I love Keegan Murray, but oh, I just it's it's harder to see it all now. You know what's funny is I made that same comment about Jaden Ivey going to Sacramento when he was the one that was being you know projected to go there. I'm like, good on him getting into the top four, but I don't know that Sacramento is the best place. I don't think it's the best place for any prospect, to tell you the truth. Right. And I I agree because uh, for whatever reason, Chris Weber and what was it? Chris Weber and what was Vladi on the kings at that time when they took the lakers back in the early 2000s to game seven and then blew a huge lead that's the basically the last time they were relevant yeah i was trying to think of i i had this moment earlier where i was trying to think of other good kings and i was thinking of uh mike bibby bibby was there for a little bit right yeah but he was that wasn't his original team either right like, it was kind of after he'd shopped around a little bit and finally ended up in sec well no no he was pretty decent in sacramento yeah, yeah I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm yeah, but Sacramento seems to have the habit of getting some talent mm-hmm. and then either not producing with it or trading it away. Like Buddy Heald is in in Indiana now. Yep. You know, and, and and when he signed his contract, I was you know, I even asked you, I think, uh, you know, it, that seems like an awful big contract and and I think you even said, you know, it's, it's for one thing, it's par for the course. You, you know, you kind of got to play. Yeah, the market is is mandating that big of it. But he is better than what a lot of people see and think potentially. So uh, that the, I guess that contract wasn't a horrible sign by the by the Kings. But then a year or two later, they traded him off anyways. So. And and they do have young pieces. I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah. to my knowledge, I think De'Aaron Fox is still there. So there's there's some stuff, but I just boy, it's it's hard to have a lot of faith. And their then, track history doesn't give you hope. Correct. Yeah, that's that's kind of the blunt, honest way to put it. Um, but for the Detroit Pistons, who picked at number five, they get Jaden Ivey, who is the top guard to go in the draft. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're looking at Detroit and you're thinking Jaden Ivey, Cade Cunningham being in that backcourt together. I think Kemba Walker's still there for the moment. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought I saw they were going to cut him or, you know, buy him out. 
there's something going on. So maybe by the time this even comes out that this uh, that doesn't hold true. But yeah. they're looking for a couple other pieces in free agency. But ultimately, that's a very young core to build around. Mm-hmm. I kind of like what's brewing in Detroit. Yeah, there's a lot of people that I've seen that are really high on what the Pistons did because the, after they got Ivy, they traded uh, as part of uh, getting Kemba Walker. They got, uh, the, I believe, the Knicks first round pick, didn't they? Didn't the Knicks trade him in a three-way trade and he ended up in Detroit? But then they... I. See, it's so crazy because, like, you know, a lot of people don't know Kobe Bryant was drafted by the Hornets. Right. Like, they're like, he's a lifetime Laker. You're right. He played his entire career there, but he was originally was a Hornet. And I right. can remember that draft that I was like, why in the world would Jerry West take a guy out of high school, you know, when there are these others and then ended up trading bloody Devots and or no. Yeah, it might have been him and or maybe it was Eldon Campbell over to, to Charlotte to get Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, well, I guess, I guess it turned out all right for him. So, <laughs> yeah, just, but just a but, little bit, but my whole point is the, the trading it's so crazy and none of it's official until like a few days afterwards or whatever. So like right. you get these, these announcements that the trades are happening and this guy that was drafted by, I believe maybe OKC drafted him but he'd already been traded to the Knicks, which in turn then sent him to Detroit. I don't know, but yeah, Detroit Detroit is, is setting itself up to, to, to be pretty good. They've got a a pretty decent core now um, that I think maybe they, they're not going to be the, uh, the Pistons of the past few years. They, they actually may be a presentable uh, organization for a couple few years anyways. Well, and especially with the new format, it's not like it's impossible to make the playoffs anymore. Sure. And and so you get this young group, you surround it with, I know a lot of Pistons fans, uh, because I'm here in Michigan, really want to see Miles Bridges come back home during the free agency. Yeah, that and, was a big, big announcement there. Well, I, I, I think right now he's still open, and I think he's between the Hornets and Pistons, I believe. Right, that's what I'm saying, is that, that he's not signing a max, like the, the Hornets said, no, we're not giving you a max contract, is kind of surprising, because Miles Bridges is pretty damn good. I mean, he's, yeah. It, it, of course, all players want to have a max contract, but for somebody to actually kind of go publicly, then warrant it, and then the organization to say no, it, it makes you wonder if maybe they just didn't mesh personally, or at least maybe somebody doesn't in the higher ups and Charlotte doesn't like Bridges or doesn't see him as be whatever. He, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be getting paid is what's uh-huh. and what's what could probably happen is Charlotte will go, well, on second thought and give yeah. him the max contract. And but yeah, good and, I I wouldn't I wouldn't sleep on the pistons because you know what that's kind of going home you know oh it's it's going home and again then you're joined with ivy and you're joined yeah. with uh cunningham like it's it's a good young core so at the time of recording this bridges has not announced he's going to be a detroit piston but we'll see uh what kind of plays out throughout the free agency now back to the big 10 yes. top 10 pick um johnny davis came in at number 10 went to yep. the washington wizards how do you feel about that I, I hope he does well. I don't have any. I have about this much more faith in Washington than I do Sacramento. I mean, <laughs> they're getting ready yeah. to trade Bradley Beal or or let him go or whatever. The oh no, he opted out. 
He opted out. Which blows my stinking mind. Like Russell Westbrook, he would have, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know. Uh, there might have been needed to be a psych evaluation for Westbrook because he opted into what was it, $43 million? And I'm like, well, if you, I didn't know there was an option. Like, it, 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 even though it's a player option at that amount of money with the, what you did last year, you should opt in. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like Jason Hayward and the Cubs. He was able to opt out after three years of that eight year contract he signed. And he had been short of a dumpster fire the three years he was with the Cubs. Of course, he's going to opt in. You know, I mean, you're not going to get that. And there's, unless Westbrook was just absolutely desperate to leave. And I know I've tangented from the, the, the Wizards to that, but uh, kind of the same thing. I'm surprised Beal didn't opt in and then try to get a sign and trade or a trade. Done. Right. No, nope, I I'm, agree. I'm surprised Washington didn't. But I guess he could go anywhere now for like the the veteran exception of six million a year or whatever, and maybe chase a ring instead. And and, and to each his own. He's probably at the point where he wants to maybe chase a ring rather than the money. He's made a lot of money. He can afford to, you know, if he's been smart financially, he's got his future set up. He doesn't need the money. So yeah, let's let's go chase a ring. But so Johnny Davis, good luck here because you're, you're I, I totally think you're gonna be on a complete rebuild because I don't know other than Bradley Beal what Washington has. I'm sure they have more. I don't watch the NBA or study the NBA enough to even think of that. I know what Washington's gonna do, except for the track history that I've seen in the past few years. Yeah. No, fair enough. And and for the Big Ten, we were talking before the draft that Maybe the Big Ten would have four lottery picks, and instead the Big Ten just ended up having four first-round picks. The other one Mm -hmm. in the first round was Malachi Branham, who's expected to maybe be a lottery pick. He goes at number 20 to San Antonio. And honestly, when you start looking at sleepers of the draft, that's one of the first ones that maybe comes to mind. Yeah, uh, San Antonio, if they know anything, they know how to draft. So if you're one or ensign free agents, you never see them just going out and throwing a ton of money at people. It's always right. they're signing somebody that, you know, under the radar signing. And yet in this year, the extreme exception to what the Spurs normally are like they they weren't the normal Spurs. And I'm using air quotes, but you can't see it. Spurs. <laughs> um, yeah, I for them to draft him and get him, that means they think highly of him. And uh, could he be Kawhi Leonard-ish? Whew. That's, uh, it's just tough to put those expectations on somebody. I wouldn't have put Kawhi's expectations or his success on Kawhi coming out of the college. But maybe, I, I kind of see what you're saying there. Yeah, pop quiz, uh, what team drafted Kawhi Leonard? Ooh, I don't know, actually. If it wasn't the Spurs, it wasn't. Who was it? The Indiana Pacers. And then they traded him to San Antonio. Nice. On draft day. So, like, it was one of those. And I don't get the teams. Hey, will you pick this guy for us? We'll trade you something for him. Just, right. Just make the trade. Unless they can't trade picks in progress. You know, like, while the while the draft's in progress or their picks in progress, they can't trade a pick. But. Just trade them the pick. Let them <laughs> let them select. That way we don't have the awkward Kobe Bryant wearing a Hornets hat. Right. <laughs> or uh, 
Ray Allen and Stefan Marbury, I believe they were drafted. Uh, Ray Allen was drafted by the uh, Timberwolves and Marbury was drafted by the Bucks, and they swapped. Yep. No, I mean, you're you're right. It, it would it avoid a little bit me, of awkwardness. Dalton. I get it. I totally get it. I'm old. Uh, Live with me. <laughs> I pulled up the uh, the second round here. I'm just going to list off real quick the Big Ten players drafted yeah. in the second round. And uh, you can kind of mention whoever stands out to you. Um, the second pick in the second round was Caleb Houston from Michigan. He landed with the uh, Orlando Magic. Uh, at pick 35 overall, Max Christie from Michigan State landed with the Lakers. Now, keep in mind, too, there's a little bit of history between Michigan State and pick number 35. That's where Xavier Tillman came off the board for the Memphis Grizzlies, and it's where Draymond Green came off the board for the Golden State Warriors. So, who knows? Maybe uh, Christie can follow those steps the uh, moving Spartan forward. The Spartan magic of pick 35. That's right. Um, pick 40 to the Timberwolves was Bryce McGowan's, the freshman from Nebraska. Pick 41 uh, by the Pelicans was another Buckeye. And this, to me, might be the sleeper of the whole draft. I'll get your thoughts on it in a moment, but that was EJ Liddell. And finally, for the Big Ten, at pick 43, the Clippers took Musa Diabate out of Michigan. So that wraps up the, the Big Ten in the NBA draft. To me, Liddell has to be the sleeper. We were talking about him as a first-rounder, and he ends up yeah. dropping in the 40s. I, 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 to me, that's, that's where you look at when you're looking at uh, kind of somebody just went off the radar. Yeah, and, you know, there were – people from the big 10 that didn't get drafted ended up signing you know free agent contracts to play mm -hmm. in the summer league but ej liddell's drop was just a, a, a meteoric isn't quite fitting for it but that was like that was like aaron Rodgers-esque without the the you know the glamour i guess the he was top end hype yeah it, because like yeah they were talking potentially low 20s like 20 25 like they liddell could go in that in that window somewhere and he ends up in the fort the 41st pick now my question is does that at all are they planning that if liddell works out and he's on the roster that he subs in for zion or play him at the same time or zion might be leaving i don't i don't know it's 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 a little perplexing because in size they're i mean zion's taller but they're kind of the same build of player a little bit um i would say i guess liddell's a little more lanky than than zion right yeah yeah it, i was it, laterally or kind of on the perimeter Liddell's maybe more fit out there okay. where Zion is just yeah. going to be a bully around the basket so really I ideally I guess you could go Liddell three Zion four yeah and that's uh, avoiding or ignoring all the other pieces that the Pelicans have but like in theory I think Liddell's a small forward at this spot like I, I think a power I guess I'm just him used to him reach. to be in a, a power forward slash center in the big tent like college wise because he's playing against guys that he's not you know, hulking over. So once you hit right. the NBA, everybody's hulking. You know what I mean? Right. So, okay. I get it. I guess. I guess I read too much into it, Dalton. Darn it. <laughs> Why you got to do but that to me? There's a, there's a Big Ten <laughs> in the NBA draft for 2022. Uh, let's go ahead and close out the first quarter. And when we come back, we got some Big Ten football to talk. Word. And we'll be talking to Big Ten football. Started off with uh, Kirk Herbstreet because. 
Uh, you go back this last week. Yeah, this last week. I'm trying to make sure my calendar is <laughs> right in my head. Um, in East Lansing, or just Lansing, um, there was the uh, golf outing for the High Five Drew Stanton Foundation. Of course, Drew Stanton was a, a former Michigan State quarterback in the early to mid-2000s. Um, and then there was a, a group that they partnered with, Special Olympics Michigan Area 8, and they held together this great golf outing that brought out Mel Tucker. It brought out Baker Mayfield. It brought out Kirk Herbstreit. I mean, it was a who's who walking around there at the country club. Yeah. And uh, we we actually ended up with a moment, uh, the media were able to catch up with Kirk Herbstreit a little bit before he talked for the Q&A as he, he landed uh, from the, the flight, didn't even get to golf, landed, joined for the Q&A, and then got on another plane and left because he's Kirk Herbstreit and he's a very busy guy. Um, but Didn't so, have time to play any golf, but he could go. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and, and is this picture that is with the video, is that a picture of him at the outing? Yes, and that's so he uh, took he took time to dress like he was golfing, but yes. not actually golf. <laughs> well, maybe he was thinking, who knows when my plane gets there, but maybe I can get something uh, in. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. he was who dressed knows? and ready to go. Like you know, he's <laughs> on the starting blocks to get off the off the right. plane, and then realized there's no chance. He's just being a good sport. Maybe at the end of the day, who yeah, knows? Well, you know, had you not said anything, I would have never known he didn't play. Right. Maybe that's what it is. You know, he's on video and he's like, oh, they'll think I played whatever. So we we (laughs) caught up with him a little bit uh, before the Q&A. And here he's talking a little bit about the end of last season, Michigan beating Ohio State and what that means for the Big Ten. And then you'll you'll hear me a little bit in the background ask about the upcoming Big Ten football season, kind of getting a picture of what he thinks. And uh, we'll get his answer as well. So, and also just for the listeners and viewers, this is a bit of a new thing that Sam and I are doing. So bear with us because Sam is is gonna <laughs> pull us out. Since half of the stuff that you sent me is it? it yeah, here. isn't working. So, so uh, we'll we'll pull out. We'll we'll put the Kirk Curb Street video up. And uh, for the listeners and viewers too, it is just a still picture with the audio. It's not a moving but video. The so nothing good. is. Yes, but the audio is good. So so don't worry about your computer. Your computer's fine. It is a still picture. Nope. So reset as soon as you see the 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 non moving. Reset it, then come back to us. Yeah, and it'll still be the same. But yeah. at least you'll reset your computer. <laughs> You can feel better about. Not that. enough people can't take care of their their electronics, Dalton. You need to restart every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> so we'll pull out, and again, we're starting with Kirk Herbstreit talking about Michigan's win over Ohio State and what it means for the Big Ten. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you're just looking at it from thirty thousand feet and looking at the conference, just like when Alabama gets beat. Uh, Auburn beats uh, Alabama, it's good for the SEC. So if you're just an objective fan, Michigan beating Ohio State on that big of a stage was definitely great for the Big Ten. Uh, It wasn't great for me or Ohio State fans, but I think it was great for the conference and great for Jim Harbaugh because he's been so close and he needed that win. And it was like his own fans were ready to turn on him. Um, And if he would have lost that game, there would have been a lot of people calling the shows the next week saying, enough's enough, get him out of here. I mean, there was a lot at stake for him in that game. So from that perspective, it's good. And I I love when that rivalry personally is healthy and competitive and kind of going back and forth. So I don't like to see it one-sided. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's good for the Big Ten for sure. Understanding that we're late to 
mentioned Michigan State. Michigan obviously wins the Big Ten last year. Ohio State looking the way they are. Kind of want to get your, your thoughts on the upcoming Big Ten season because it seems yeah. like obviously Ohio State's shown that they're kind of at the, the top throughout recent years. Yeah. But the gap maybe? I think it's great. Yeah, I think first what, what Jim Harbaugh and Michigan did last year for their program and for the Big Ten was great. I mean, I – as an Ohio State guy, that day was tough to watch. You know, as a fan, standing on the, I stood on the sideline and watched the game. But to see how they celebrated and how much it meant to their program, long term, that's great for the Big Ten. What what Mel's created, the energy and the buzz that's around this program, that I, we haven't felt. You know, since since Dino really had them rolling those three years with Connor Cook, it's great to see that energy. Um, you know, I think Penn State's close. Um, you know, I, I think Wisconsin and Iowa. Uh, is Nebraska going to get better with Scott Frost? They came so close so many times last year. Could have easily won nine games. So I'm, I like to see when when we turn on games on Saturday. I don't want to see two teams and everybody else. I like to see seven or eight, nine teams competing. And I think we'll have that this year. So interesting comments. I suppose, Sam, I'll just open it up to you first. What do you take away from from Kirk's analysis of the Big Ten and also what it means that Michigan beat Ohio State and kind of dethroned the king? It's kind of the same way that I, I talked a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Big Ten basketball season and IU being, you know, I'm going to use the air quotes again, back. Well, you know, when when the traditional blue bloods or traditional big dogs of the conference do well, it bodes well for the conference. And, you know, it only gives validity when your traditionally good schools are doing well. And I totally agree that when Michigan is able to compete and beats Ohio State, it doesn't matter if it's one out of ten or, you know, they start going on a run and win four out of five against them it's going to make a the, that rivalry a little bit more intense and then it's also going to pull the eyes of everybody to the conference and you know when you know Ohio State's won what nine in a row or whatever and then Michigan wins well that that draws attention and and so I I don't disagree with him on the aspect of when it's for the you know for the conference it it it, it totally boosts it up and people start paying attention to more than just two teams you know they look to see what else there is and when the rest of the or at least there are some other schools that are operating well you know the it it, it does nothing but help recruiting it does, because you know what when there's two teams and let's say minnesota is going after a, a recruit they can say look we can we can contend with you Mm-hmm. We can fight against Michigan and Ohio State. Uh, so I, I I think it I, – I don't give two hoots about either of those two teams, but it is important that both of them win in order to make the conference overall a better conference. Well, and I think, too, you heard him say a couple of times that when you have eight different teams that are, are mm-hmm. capable and, and strong – it just makes everything that much better and that much more fun. And I think, sure. honestly, that's kind of the beauty of the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And and what's great, too, it, for football, SEC has that quite a bit. Um, the bottom, though, of the SEC is maybe worse than the bottom of the Big Ten, I would say, with Vanderbilt and some of those teams, the way they've performed in, in recent history. But, like, you look at the Big Ten, and just about across the board in all sports, they're deep. 
Yeah. Basketball. I mean, it has more depth in basketball than any other conference. Yeah. I mean, you can you can make the argument the ACC is better if you want. And honestly, if you want to talk depth, the Big 12 the last couple of years is in that same conversation just to give them their due respect. But like the Big 10 has been in the last decade or so the deepest conference in basketball. And it's yeah. been maybe the deepest in football. I mean, you can make the conversation for the SEC. Like, you can have that that talk. But nonetheless, like, that's the beauty of the Big Ten. What I'm really curious about is I kind of asked him there and, and said, do you think the gap is starting to maybe close a little? And you could kind of hear my voice. It, I know it was pretty deep in the background. <laughs> but it's Yeah, it started to kind of fade because I'm like, boy, is it? Like, I mean – Michigan, Michigan dethroned the King one time, but is that sustainable? Can is yeah. you know what I mean? Like, was it just kind of a, a a once in in a wild type of thing? Because Ohio State's going to enter this next season, I believe, in most of the preseason polls, number two. Like, well, it, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that you know, yeah, because let's see. Before that, the last Big Ten loss for Ohio State. So before they lost to Michigan was to Purdue when Rondale Moore was still in school. So that was two plus The Tyler Trent night. Yes, Tyler Trent night. So, like, that was the last time they lost a Big Ten game. And, excuse me. So anomalies happen. Is this an anomaly or is this Michigan going say saying, okay, we're ready, we're, we're on the same page as you, we're just getting going? You don't know until this year happens, you know, mm -hmm. and then if Michigan beats them, then you're like, well, maybe, you know, and it, it this the cycles don't end on one one game. They just don't. Right. And is it like you asked about the 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 talent gap or the, that gap between Ohio State and the rest of the conference? That doesn't necessarily close up just because of the one loss either. Correct. And it does not mean that Michigan's up there yet. Correct. Because they've literally had one season where they had a good season on top of beating Michigan or Ohio State. So I, I don't think you can judge it quite yet. You can have an opinion. That that that's fine. That's not that's not what I'm getting at. But you you're you're just not sure yet. You can't say definitively, yes, Michigan's here. Yes, the talent gap or or that competition is now close together because of one game. You just can't yet. Yeah. No, it's fair. And and as we flip into July, the the number one thing you can really go off of is recruiting rankings and stuff like that. Yeah. And Ohio State's still just at the top. It just yeah. is what it is. Um, but it will be interesting to see this upcoming year because we haven't necessarily since Ryan Day's been in charge, everything has been, it seems like pretty easy in Columbus, except for the one loss to Michigan. Like it, it just there's all this talent. There's five stars all over the field. They blow everybody out. Games are never even close. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious this next year, now that they've kind of taken a, a ding finally under day, how that bounces back for the Buckeyes. I'm very curious how this next year happens because I still think they have the most talent in the Big Ten. Um, but maybe... And trust me, I, I have a lot of belief and confidence in Ryan Day, so I'm expecting there to be yeah. a bounce back even stronger than what we saw at the beginning of the Ryan Day era. God help Notre Dame. Yeah. Oh, 
Yeah. And that's not because I think the talent gap is so huge that it's going to be a dumpster fire. But like you said, you know, they're coming off their last game that mattered. And I'm not saying that the Rose Bowl doesn't matter, but it literally is an exhibition if it's not for the. It's not the old Rose Bowl. Yeah. And and it's not the just because it was Pac-12 Big Ten doesn't matter either because it just it it didn't have the same feel, you know, Um, traditionally that should have been Michigan and, and Utah. Yep. You know, if you went by champions, but, but still the point being is, is that that's still an exhibition because it wasn't in the playoff. Yep. So it, while it, while it counted, it didn't matter. You know, yep. that's why, that's why Olave and uh, what was it, Garrett Wilson, wasn't it? That opted out yeah. not to play in it. So, and they yep. still put up what 8,000 points and yards. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba broke yeah. the receiving record. That, that, game because... that, that allowed him to really step onto the stage as the guy. Which good yeah, on him. He's back. You know, hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna have a game, have a game on the one of the biggest stages of college football, you know. Yep. Uh, but my whole point on that is is you know, God help Notre Dame because this now will count. And I don't think Ohio State takes a foot off the gas until the final <laughs> the final gun at the at all zeros. You know, maybe if they're up by forty five with four or five minutes left, they'll they'll let up maybe and put the second or third string in, but I think they want to make a statement personally. I, I just, and that it warms my heart a little because it's Notre Dame, but at the same time, I'm not a big, huge fan of Ohio State either. So <laughs> this is, this is your worst nightmare seeing these two. No, Somebody's got to no. win the game. 2005 could have been my worst nightmare because that was the year the White Sox won the World Series and the Astros and the Cardinals went to game seven in the NLCS. I also, that would have, that would have been, a horrible, horrible time to live. <laughs> I, I think 2005 Notre Dame and Ohio State played in the Fiesta Bowl, if I remember right. Too. I, I, so you might was, be right. That was when uh, Jalen Smith blew out his knee in the Fiesta Bowl. Not 05. 05 was Brady Quinn and them going. Oh yeah, that's right. DJ Hawk. My yeah, fault. yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. My fault. Yeah, geez, the Jalen Smith. There's been a couple of those matchups, but yeah, that wasn't you know, 05. That was more closely down the. Or that was more close. Yeah, that's got to be 2022, somewhere in there. 17 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, talking about Ohio State and Notre Dame, because it's a great way to kick off the college football season. We're going to talk on the other side when we get to the third quarter after this halftime break a little bit more about those big time non-conference matchups in college football. And we'll dabble a little bit with college basketball as well. So stay with us. There was an interesting little uh, tidbit that I heard that I threw at you that I, I... I like the idea with college football. Yeah. Heisel, so we'll discuss anyway. it after this. Yeah. I've, I've poorly piqued their interest. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the break. You are listening to big 10 plus four hosted on anchor and Streamyard. Hi, I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Doherty. And we host the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. Hey, Tina, did you know that Elvis crashed the Nixon White House for the sole purpose of getting a DEA badge and it worked? (laughs) Or how a gun control advocate senator out of California engaged in gun trafficking with notorious gang leader Shrimp Boy? (laughs) Shrimp Boy, I remember him. Okay, so, you know, we cover all of that and more from Malady madness mischief and murder in u.s politics and we also host a bi-weekly interview segment called lil muck we interview politicians journalists activists and others who share their experiences in politics find the muck podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on social media at the muck podcast 
Hey, I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are BFYTW, a podcast all about playing games and having fun. Our games are usually based on British panel shows and game shows, but we'll play anything that captures our attention and imagination. Why? It's right there in the title. You'll never guess what the F stands for. I know all what right. the F stands for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a it's a pretty good tease. Pretty good yeah, tease. Yeah. Well, um, if 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 you don't know, you know. <laughs> all right, you know second half is. starts out, and uh, as Sam was saying beforehand, he he caught something the other day that that piqued his interest a little bit, and it's talking kind of with big time college football games. So Sam, go ahead and explain. Yeah, I I was listening to to the radio and and former what is it UCLA and Washington head coach in Colorado. Uh, head coach Rick Neuheisel brought up a, a, how like in the middle of the conference season, you know, you have Georgia playing Vanderbilt, you have Ohio State playing Rutgers, you have, you know, just the top the top teams in the conference playing kind of the bottom feeders. And there's not really always any top games that are that are of interest to the whole entire country you know you got that abc saturday night game and it's you know baylor and tcu no offense to those teams but you're you're talking to texas there you're not talking to, and maybe the big 12 depending on how good tcu and baylor are but that's your game of the night and he he proposed that that the conferences you know come to an agreement to where they align to where Every week, there is a top conference matchup. Now, you have to make these things scheduled out in advance. So there are times that you might get a stinker that was supposed to be, you know, uh, just a team that is supposed to be in the top 10 and ends up falling out like Iowa did last year. But IU. Yeah, and IU. Correct. Thank you for jumping on the IU bandwagon instead of uh, calling the other thing. Um, anyways, uh <laughs> The point was, is, you know, every week have an Ohio State playing a a UCLA, you know, some of those top teams or or Michigan playing, going and playing, maybe not Georgia, but, you know, Auburn or somebody in the middle of the season. So, yeah, just let me hit the pause. So the suggestion sure. is to have non-conference. It's not to align your conference schedules. No, 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 that. correct, correct. Okay. Sorry, I, I kind of missed, miss, uh explained it a little bit for the as you're still playing your normal conference you know schedule but maybe you lead off the season with your game against Rutgers Ohio State and then in week four you go and play UCLA rather than kicking the season off with UCLA to where there are four or five games that the whole country's interested in you spread those out to where you keep everybody's interest all the way throughout the regular season to kind of give some some value to the whole season throughout that was the the proposal uh, the proposal that he made and i kind of like that idea why not have a big time game of the week so i don't like the idea okay and the Is reason because, i okay oh, go, go ahead i'm not gonna guess i'm gonna let you go. <laughs> The reason I don't like the idea is because in my mind, as 
college athletics continues to watch like everything fall apart, right? Between mm-hmm. what the NILs created, between transfer portal stuff is created, like yeah. a lot of pageantry is gone, a lot of school pride, a lot of that stuff is gone. One thing that I think still matters, especially now, and I want to ensure that it still matters, is winning your conference. That's why I think when it comes to postseason play in the college football playoffs, uh, like we were talking about the Rose Bowl earlier on, and, and it used to be you had to win the Big Ten, you had to win the Pac-12, and that's how – or Pac-10 in those days, or even Pac-8 in those days. Uh, but you that's how you would get into that game. You won your conference. And I think if you, if you kind of build that simplicity where it's about winning your conference and that's how you get rewarded in college football and in the postseason – Let's keep conferences, uh, the conference championships mattering. And so the the reason I don't like the idea is because when you stick that in the middle of the the season and in, in the conference pursuit, like in the Big Ten, let's let's take that for an example. We just finished talking about how deep it is. We've mm-hmm. watched Wisconsin get derailed with a trip to Illinois like, at times just because the Big Ten is chaotic. It's 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 cannibalism each week. Like somebody upends somebody and it's kind of the beauty it, of the Big Ten. In fairness, a lot of conferences are that way. So it's not just a Big Ten exclusive thing to where, you know, it's a it's a lot of different I mean Texas went to Lawrence and lost to Kansas. Right. No, I agree. I just think it's enhanced in the Big Ten. I, oh, I sure. think the Big Ten's sure. the biggest yeah. example of chaos or the biggest representative. And and so my point is I do not like the idea of distracting these these teams from the the conference championships mm-hmm. that I think maybe should be a top priority for all schools when you start the season. And it's kind of like we talked about this before with with college basketball. There's the idea out there about the flex scheduling uh, yeah. maybe coming in the next couple of years. And that flex scheduling is not going to include the power five or the the big six, whatever you want to with big East being involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more than basketball. five in basketball. Yeah. And and uh the the reason why is because they're in the middle of their conference championship hunts and to them it's not worth being bothered because they're already playing strong enough games. They don't necessarily need that. It doesn't make the most sense. So really all we're talking about here, I think that the variable we're we're hitting on is from an entertainment factor. And I think for the most part, week to week, you usually have a pretty solid game going on, if not a few. I can only remember a couple of different weeks where I sat there and I'm like, wow, uh, don't have a ton of interest watching college football on this Saturday. <laughs> so that's why ultimately I'm against it because I don't like the idea of distracting teams from the, the conference championships because I believe that should be a top priority in college football as we move forward and try and keep it something sacred. So what if they said, okay, for the first six weeks there was going to be that, then after that the final six games, I guess six games, you know, like each team that gets me more on board so you know for the first half of the season you've got that rotating type who somebody play, and then you have your conference specific you know kind of to where the last six games you play because i think you're right uh i didn't even think about it while i was listening to it that could derail seasons Mm -hmm. a team you know playing outside of what they were expected they're you know six and one uh, Minnesota let's use Minnesota just because they're not uh, the prototypical year in year out great team but they're always pretty respectable at least as of late they're five and one you know 13th in the country and they go to you know Clemson mm-hmm. and Clemson blows their doors off 
And then the next week they fall to Northwestern because they're just on such a downslide. And then all of a sudden Rutgers comes into town. Yeah, I could see the derailment of a of a season because of just one poor outing against a really, really good team or something, you know, or just not being as competitive with that team that given year. Because like like I said, you've got to you've got to schedule it out. So you're gonna get some stinkers from it, even though traditionally, let's say Michigan loses four games going into a game against uh you know Georgia <laughs> and Georgia's number two in the country, there's gonna be some ugliness, you know. And yep. so I, I I get it a little bit more, but maybe maybe the first half of the season, you know, have those 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 flex, I guess, mm-hmm. to where uh you flex your schedule to where you know you play an out of conference good team rather than you know southwest missouri state college that's kind of the thing too is the sec does this already with fcs opponents it feels like towards the end of the season and i'm not every team plays like florida a&m or whatever you know a team like that in the middle of their schedule so they're they struggle you know maybe against an sec opponent and then the next week they win 65 to 13 because they played alabama state Right before they go into the final couple of weeks in their schedule, make them which you know, is, make yeah. them <laughs> make them feel good about themselves. I guess I don't know. Yeah, but no, I I'm I'm kind of on board with what you're saying there. I think once you hit mid October, it, it can only be conference games. Yeah, it can only yeah, be I, conference. I don't I don't disagree that that's probably a better idea, but I like the concept of the creating big matchups. Yeah, creating big matchups because you know what everybody's talking even though a lot of people think ohio state's gonna just run the gambit on notre dame that's still a talking game like it's a it's a big matchup mm-hmm. a it doesn't happen that often to two huge traditional big blue bloods in the in college football it doesn't happen every year so it's one of those that's like the novelty of it and then also the potential of these two huge, traditionally great teams playing each other to kick the season off. Yeah. No, I'm I I'm I think we found common ground. So look at that. Two look sides can't come together. <laughs> hey, it is possible. And and you know what? There's no yelling or nothing. How about that? Cordial, respectful. Look at wow, look at we us were go. adults. Look at us being adults. Good on us. <laughs> All right, so real quick, before we uh, we take our last break and get into the fourth quarter, I want to run through some stuff because we do have some matchups announced involving Big Ten basketball. If we switch over to the hardwood for yeah. a moment, we have Big Ten ACC. We have the Gavit games. I wanted to pull up those matchups and try running through those if uh, we could talk about those. Go ahead. Can I ask you, how do they determine those matchups? Do you know? Do they um, literally pull them out of a hat unless there's a, a big marquee <laughs> matchup? Because for Purdue, I'm tired of seeing Marquette and I'm tired of seeing a Florida State. Florida State, I I fully understand. So no, I and don't. It's not have... that I have anything against those two teams. I'm just tired of seeing those two teams play Purdue because I of get the, it. in these two. I get it. Um, oh, we so looking at the matchups for this year, Boston College is at Nebraska. Pitt is at Northwestern. Georgia Tech is at Iowa. Minnesota is at Virginia Tech. Penn State's at Clemson. Wake Forest at Wisconsin. Maryland at Louisville. And now we're halfway if you're keeping track at home. Syracuse at Illinois. Michigan State's at Notre Dame. Virginia at Michigan. 
Rutgers at Miami, Purdue at Florida State, North Carolina at Indiana, and Ohio State at Duke. What uh, what jumps out to you from that list? The only matchup that I see as potentially a really, really good matchup is North Carolina and IU. Yeah. That yeah, was I, uh, and 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 like I said, I don't know how they match them up. Notre Dame and Michigan State could be a good one. I think that one's intriguing. Now, yeah. I, I remember too, because Notre Dame just lost Blake Wesley, a first round yeah. pick in that NBA draft. But and and forgive me for not being up on on the Irish basketball here. And as we flip into July, I'm not exactly <laughs> sure what pieces are coming in, but but folks are are fairly high on on mm-hmm. Notre Dame for losing such a monumental piece. Well, I was going to say, and, 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 you know, I'm not going to, I don't mean this in the way that it's going to come out. They only lost Blake Wesley, like from their roster. Mm-hmm. So it's, but, but like I said, I don't mean it as in, well, he's nothing, but like they only have to replace that. That's a big thing to replace, but the other pieces are still kind of there, you know? Yep. So it, it, it could be a really good matchup. But I just don't know. It's not one that jumps out like, oh, hey, and Ohio State. What are they going to be after losing Liddell and and Branham? They go to play Duke. They've brought some transfer pieces in. But, yeah, again, until we see Ohio State, I just don't know what to expect from Ohio State. So, literally, the only matchup that really sticks out in in the Big Ten ACC games is North Carolina and, and IU. Those are the that's the only matchup that I would say, ooh, that's a really good matchup. That's and, the biggest and, to me. And I'm not at all saying that you know it needed to be Michigan State and Duke because we see that every year. Yes, pretty much. I mean, if if not every year, almost every year. So that's not, and, and I'm not even saying it wouldn't be a good matchup. But like again, we're talking. We just came off the Rick Neuheisel, you know, proposal. There is an entertainment factor in these things because if you've got Northwestern playing Clemson every year, nobody wants to watch that. Yep. So nope. you know, you've got to give some variety. What you know, Syracuse is historically, you know, with Jim Beheim, a really good, you know, historic program. Wouldn't you think Northwestern would like to play Jim Beheim? Or bring right. bring Bayheim in to Chicago, and oh wow! Now we can go to the United Center. It is United Center, right? Go oh, to they the play U- at Welsh Ryan Arena. Right, right, right. I'm saying take it to there so you can. Fill oh, it up. okay. I see. I see. I see. So you've got a special venue. You know, Syracuse is coming into town. I'm honestly thinking if Syracuse is coming into town, more people are going to show up. So you're either going to pack Welsh Ryan or you're going to be able to put a, a, some butts in the seats at. at the United Center, there's uh, unless they're just randomly pulling it out of the hat, saying, "Okay, we're going to make one matchup." Then after that, everybody's just being thrown into a hat and pulled out randomly. You know, unless that's the case, they need to do better on their on their matchups. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't. I it, and I again, I have nothing against Florida State, but I'm tired of seeing Purdue play Florida State from the in the ACC Big Ten matchup or uh thing maybe challenge they, yeah challenge thank you i couldn't think of it so i said thing uh but like i guess purdue needs to schedule florida state onto their schedule that way they don't get them in the in the challenge yeah that'd be one way or in the gavit games as you said you're a little tired of marquette and for the 2022 gavit games marquette comes to west lafayette so that kind of keeps it with, will be uh, the first the time that shaka is with marquette out of the three times that they played them. 
Fair enough. But but that's the only I Purdue doesn't want to play Shaka Smart anyways. They got beat by VCU in the tournament a few in that years, run. Right? Oh, and, you know, in that run where like it seemed like for four straight years there was a play-in game team that made it to the final four. Yes. You know, and so it was like, okay, I don't want to see VCU and I don't like it's not that I don't like Shaka Smart, but I just don't want Purdue playing them because you know it's like kind of like Chris Beard. They finally got over that one this year, beating Texas and Chris Beard, but you know, they there are just some coaches that you know have your number and Shaka's one of them. So well, in the other Gavit Games lineup, let me run through these real quick. Sure. Um, DePaul at Minnesota, Nebraska at St. John's, Northwestern at Georgetown, Butler at Penn State. Uh, we mentioned Marquette at Purdue, Iowa at Seton Hall, Indiana that at Xavier. Yeah, Iowa at Seton Hall might be good. I like Indiana at Xavier, but to me, the headliner is Villanova at Michigan State. I think oh, that should sure. be a fun one. Even though Jay Wright's not there anymore, it's uh, you know that doesn't mean that the the talent isn't still in Philadelphia at Villanova. That that's going to be a good game, and so like last year, that was Purdue's matchup was Villanova. You know, let's Michigan State playing Villanova. That's a great matchup that doesn't happen every year. And and the Gavit games, at least to my knowledge, I think this is the third Gavit game Michigan State's participating in. Uh, the first it's not every year because they don't match up correct number wise well yeah so the the gavit games are every year but not every team's playing that's what i mean not every year meaning not every team plays in it because they don't the numbers don't match up and michigan state always has different variables with their schedules because like this year there there's a ton of momentum and it sounds like the aircraft carrier game is coming back against gonzaga Oh, oh, the I love classic. that, dude. I know. Like, like the, when they played North Carolina a few years back on the aircraft care, that was a, a, I had no rooting interest in either of the teams, and it was awesome to watch. Yep. It just was. Now, so, I don't know how the players adjust to it, but having a wide open like sky shooting into it, but whew. and what happens if it rains? Do they have a, a secondary site? Um, or do they delay it? There are a lot of stories. Game. So they, they kind of did delay it the last time it happened because they were looking at the forecast in San Diego, which never yeah. rains, was showing rain like all day. And so everybody was freaked out. And then, of course, it ended up passing by. There's all kinds of stories about that that San Diego mm-hmm. game that you're talking about from 11-11-11. But it was, yes, it was great. Yeah. But so Michigan State's first Gabba game uh, was at Seton Hall a few years ago. And then... Last year, Michigan State went to Butler. Yeah. So this will be the first time, to my knowledge, that Michigan State hosts a Gavit game, and it'll be against Villanova. So nice little diversity there. So (laughs) Mom's dog decided to come out and say hi. Oh, well, I want to pet him, too. (laughs) He's got thoughts on Michigan State's basketball schedule. (laughs) She she She. has thoughts, yes. But, Uh, yeah. those those games and like i said those are the entertainment factor games you know and that's what and and since there's no trophy they should be clearly for entertainment and put the best matchups together now you're always going to have some of northwestern against clemson or you know what you know those those i I hate the term bottom feeders but the bottom feeder matchups it just happens but you could do better on putting your your top teams against one another and making those really show off your title. You want to say you're the best 
conference winning the most games in those things isn't necessarily the thing it's your biggest matchups you win them yep no now you want to win them all and take the take the overall but if the big 10 loses every game except for xavier iu iowa seton hall and michigan state villanova that's a successful games yeah it's true it's very true. So, so I don't know if Sam's hand is off uh, the the dog yet, but if you're yeah. ready, we can move to the fourth quarter. And she's uh, down here. She's headline. gonna she's gonna give me moral support for my my headline. I guess I don't know. Oh, oh no, very she's walking. Good. She's walking away. She's lost yeah. interest. She's like, I'm done with this now. Yeah, I'm not helping you with anything, <laughs> Mister. <laughs> All right, let's hit the fourth. Yes, sir. If you're new to the program, this is the area where we bring out our headlines. And yes, shame on you as Sam whispers into the mic. Um, but we always start with Sam Sprunger and the Sam Sentinel. So, Sam, what's on the headline? Always start with Sam Sentinel. I guess uh, age before beauty. I, I don't know. I, I'm not calling you pretty, oh, but I'm touched. That- <laughs> no uh seven and 14 dalton do you know what that is seven and 14 i don't know it is the overall conference record for our national champion baseball team at one point before they turn things around to go and win the national championship i'm talking about uh ole miss ole miss they uh they they won 18 of 20 games to end the season to bring home the national championship and i and i heard their coach and then off the top of my head i cannot for the life of me remember what his name is off the top of my head but uh um he was talking that they never gave up the the hope and knowing that they were the good uh, they were good enough to win a national title and national titles don't come easily to anybody and uh looking at the history of sports at Ole Miss they really don't come easy for their teams just recently they won a women's golf national title as a team but then nothing for the history of Ole Miss they've been playing football for you know or sports for well over 100 years and have never experienced uh, a men's national title in any sport and and i watched some of the 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 final series and wow they they were a team it wasn't they had standouts that did very very well but they won as a team you could tell that they supported each other and it's from seven and 14 in my belief is at seven and 14 they didn't go well get better luck next year it was (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna play our game we're going to take it and then it's cliche and you know, as much as I do, cliches are only cliche because they're absolutely true most of the time. And they took one game at a time and they ended up putting together. There was a writer at, at, for Ole Miss, that, a beat writer that's actually when they were seven and 14 published an article that said they need to stop worrying about the NCAA tournament and they need to worry about trying to get into the SEC tournament. That's how close they were to not making it to. They were also the 64th team to make the field. They weren't the 64th seeded team, but they were the 64th team to make the make the tournament. 
and which essentially you know that's you know hey you got there great yay but they 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 took advantage of of the opportunity kind of like fresno state did a few years back where they came out of nowhere and won the national championship Ole miss went from seven and 14 in their conference the 64th team into the into the tournament and won 18 out of their 20 game last 20 games to win a national title and you know what congratulations to the rebels down in oxford mississippi yeah that's uh it's quite the story it was really fun and of course a great way to to kind of cap off the the college athletics year and yeah kind of hand in hand with that sam as we move to the dalton daily uh with that putting a bow on the the 2021 to 2022 college sports season uh we now have national champions for all of the sports for this past calendar year so mm -hmm. they uh who did this oh uh reddit cfb uh, a twitter account um for college football fans that usually communicate on reddit yeah. um they put a list out there of all the the national champions and they broke it down by conference as well so the leading conferences were the ACC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, and the SEC with seven national titles. So the entire Power Five minus the Big Ten, which isn't the most comforting <laughs> thing. Um, the Big Ten came hey, in Dalton, second. Our show is Big Ten plus four. Um, no, I'm joking. I was a little shocked when I read it. I was like, huh. So the Big um, Ten had five. What were they? They were uh, women's ice hockey. Ohio State won the national okay, title yeah. there. Uh, they were wrestling. Penn State won the national championship there. Maryland. Women's volleyball, Wisconsin won oh, the national title there. Uh, field hockey, Northwestern won the national championship there. And men's lacrosse, Maryland had the undefeated perfect season. But yeah. you had five different programs win a national championship for the Big Ten Conference this year. I just wanted to, A, salute those five programs and what they're able to accomplish, but also – it's it's kind of amazing because you look at a lot of the other ones. There's a lot of schools that had multiple for the Big Ten to to spread it out like that goes yeah. back to kind of the depth conversation we had in the past. Yeah, it's it's you know <laughs> the, they were only two behind, so it wasn't like they were extremely out. in 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 second. But yeah, it's it, that's an impressive thing because, like you said, you know, I mean the 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 colleges or the conferences that have seven i'm sure there were repeats you know uh-huh in there was the big 10 the only one that did that where a different team won each of theirs in those top four conferences or five conferences i mean or was there was there another conference that did it better than the big 10 uh the sec might have hang on oh no the sec didn't so no i i think uh, well, except for the Big Sky, the Big West, and the GLVC that all had one national champion. Well, they don't count. <laughs> the <laughs> Summit had two national champions. Um, but really? no, for those Power Five, yeah, everybody had uh, a school that won uh, different sports this mm -hmm. year. So the Big Ten's the only one that was fully spread, I guess. I, I guess, like you said, that, that just speaks of the the you know i i don't know what the the parody in the conference i guess is the yeah. best way to put it because you know we have great teams in our conference but they they don't necessarily say hey we're gonna win men's lacrosse and women's field hockey you know everybody takes a turn i guess i don't know everybody gets a ribbon dalton <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like i like the 
it just backs the my argument and our argument, I guess, that the Big Ten does, even though they may not win the major uh, national championships, they're they're just as competitive, if not more competitive than than other conferences. Yeah. So it's uh, it's certainly something to, to take note of. Yep. Uh, well, we are running out of time. And again, a reminder for all the listeners and viewers <laughs> has to come to an end. Reminder for listeners and viewers, we are not on next week. We are taking it off with the 4th of July week. Oh, Just ahead, imagine me shirtless with sparklers in each hand. Wow, we couldn't end the show quick <laughs> enough. Um, no, <laughs> no, nonetheless, I uh, hope everybody has a great 4th of July out there in the, in the next week. Uh, With aviators and a headband. Yeah, oh, my God. Okay, let's just close things down. For Sam Sprunger, shirtless Sam Sprunger with sparklers, a brat, and whatever else and he's steak. got going on. It's, and steak. It takes a lot, of, a lot of energy to blow stuff up, man. <laughs> all right that's that's sam sprunger i'm dalton shetler thank you all for tuning in again no show next week but we'll be back soon to bring you some more we'll Big be Ten back plus with four. vigor with vigor all the things you brought up i'm glad we're landing there so that's I'm still throwing you off huh? all right <laughs> see you later see you